we are continuing our discussion of what it means to re-reimagine with Jesus what this world could be. Uh, we're going through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over the summer, and we're picking the points of Jesus' life and ministry in a chronological way where he thought about something totally different than what the world was experiencing. Today, we're going to talk about reimagining community or friendship. And it's so cool to see you and Ryan with an 18-year uh, relationship, and I know that 18 years from now, you'll be on the same stage doing the corny jokes with us. I hope so. Man. Talking about your grandkids or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's great to see really a community of friends uh, serve together, uh, grow together, live life together through all the ups and the downs, um, because you've had some experiences in your own life that have been just tough. And uh, uh, one with your young daughter and a, and a real serious health concern, and wow, your friends just rallied around you because of the investment that you have given to them over uh, so many years. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's one of the stories of, of, of our family and our life, and we're just so blessed to be able to say we were able to get through that, and one of the reasons was because of our friends. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things that I would just encourage everyone to do is take those little steps to make friends, mm -hmm. because one day you will need them. Yep. One day something will come that you can't handle yourself. Um, there'll be a situation where you need to lean on people around you, and you need those people in your life, and, and that's where we really get to live out Christ. You know, we, we, he, Jesus t teaches us to love one another, lay our lives down for one another. And the way that we do that is by holding up our friends when, when they go through stuff, because yep. we're going to go through stuff. Now, friendship I mean? takes some time to develop. It's totally. not something that just happens. And the last time you want to realize you don't have any friends <laughs> is when things really hit the fan and nobody's there and you're alone. And, uh, and, and the sad tragedy, I think, for a lot of the Western world, and studies confirm this, that so many people in Western civilization are by themselves. They haven't invested time because they're busy. I mean, we're busy people. We've got a lot to do, a lot of places to go. Uh, work tends to kind of overwhelm us. We are often defined by our work and the things that we do, which means we squeeze out the margin for friends. And, and the reason why I have you up here is because when we talk about friends here, and we do quite a bit, uh, because that's the kind of relationship I think God wants all of us to enjoy, is uh, we think about you, because you spend your life deepening friendships with Ryan and others, and you do a lot to help us here at Rancho build friendships. So tell us about how you do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I have the greatest job in the world. I mean, I kind of get to imagine what Sunday will look like or, yeah. you know, how people can connect more, more better. <laughs> more gooder. More gooder, yeah. Um, and, and so like... Ideas like Name Tag Sunday, for those of you who are here for stuff like that, you know, those ideas come not just because it's cute to wear a name tag, although it, it's fun, um, but it gives people an opportunity to really take those little baby steps to connect. Because like I said, you know, you want to start building your friendships before, you know, you, you don't, you find yourself in a situation where you need those friends. And, and we want to be a church, we want to be a place where people can come and take those little baby steps, fill out a name tag, say your favorite cereal is Frosted Flakes, and before you know it, you know, somebody across the room meets you, and hey, my name's Bill, and oh, my name's John, and we both like Frosted Flakes, and there's a little seed has been planted. And we try and do that in, in all different kinds of um, aspects, whether we're creating spaces outside for people to connect, or um, like the men's group that meets on yep. Monday night, or women's groups, and things like that. Yep. Um, just really trying to make those places available for people to kind of take those baby steps. And then the encouragement would be, don't be afraid to take the baby step, because right. that could be, I, I totally get it. I'm an introvert. I was telling you earlier, uh, I went to the Monday night thing, and it's not my gig. Like, walking around <laughs> and introducing myself to a bunch of guys is just not my thing. Yeah. But, um, but I took the step, 
met a few new friends, and it, and, and it was worth it. You know what I mean? Yep. And that's where we want to help this church become more known and, and more expressive as a community of friends as opposed to a, just a religious service you go to. You check off the box. You know, I'm a Christian. I go to church. And, and if I go to church, then maybe God will be happy with me and answer a prayer. And that's kind of the old way of thinking. What Jesus invented here, as we'll see in Luke chapter 5, is he invented this concept that the gathering of people should not be just a religious service with all the formalities of religion. It should be a community of friends. And we'll see a diverse community of friends, even though they were all male and all Semites, Jesus intentionally brought 12 people together who by nature and by a really political affiliation hated each other. And there are times they did not get along, but Jesus said, this is a new community of friendship and, and how we experience God's love together as friends will really create this environment of friendship, not just for those who are here, but for those who have yet to be here, right? Yeah, and you know, you're speaking into something that's kind of a passion of mine. I'll take this opportunity to advertise myself, but <laughs> I, I do this thing with some friends called Beer and Hymns, and we get together and we sing hymns and other songs uh, at local pubs. And so we could be singing Amazing Grace one second, and then the next minute we're singing Journeys Don't Stop Believing, and then we're singing Tom Petty, and then we're singing How Great Thou Art. And it's just this awesome community that we are able to build. And it's not a cute way to evangelize. Right. It's not a cute way to be a good witness. It's just us living out who we are. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Jesus asked of the disciples is to be who you are, mm -hmm. but be kind of pointed in a direction. And I think that's, yeah. th that's what we love to do. I love how you put that. Kind of be who we are, be a group of friends pointed in a direction. And, and I, I think this is one of your key verses here, 1 John 4, 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. What does that verse mean to you? This was a life-changing verse. This is my new life verse, you know. Um, I went through a period in my faith where I really struggled, you know. I, I didn't hear the voice of God. I didn't see God move in certain ways. I, I, I struggled with some stories and some things. And, and this verse really just kind of redefined my whole relationship with God and my whole relationship with the church. It just, it, it, it told me that all I need to do is live out who Jesus is, live out who Jesus is, and all of a sudden, I'm going to see God. Yeah. I'm going to see him in the things that I'm doing and the people that I'm touching. And then, like we were talking about earlier with my own daughter, I saw God most clearly through the work of my friends, yeah. praying for me, loving on me, taking care of my family, walking that journey with me, that's when I saw God. Yeah. So, you know, no one sees God, right. but they see him through the work of friendship. Yeah. And uh, that is so profound because if, we're, if we don't have the investments in friends, we're probably not going to see God very much, right? No. Um, we're looking for the love of God. We're looking to feel the love of God. We're looking to see the love of God. And God is saying, listen, I am here and I am moving and you will see me if you connect in loving friendships, that you're there for each other and supporting each other, that's where I work. And so it's incumbent upon, I think, us as a church to be able to say, all right, we're gonna try our best to create these environments, uh, to, to, to have Sundays that are light and kind of fresh and not just here, sit, you know, nod, boring, go. It's like, no, connect from the time you get here. Kids playing outside, your kids are having a ball, youth and children. We're going to get here. We're having conversations that are meaningful. And then outside, stick around for a little bit, grab some coffee, let your kids play out there. And, and, and then from there, we can connect at a little deeper level. So the men stay on a Monday night. Tomorrow night, men, top spin, old town. There's 50, 60 guys out there. 
playing a little ping pong and, and then discussing just the stuff of life for a little bit and then having a meal together. It's just the women are having uh, summer events all, uh, all summer. You go to rancher.tv for all this stuff. But take advantage of that. When we get to the fall launch, we are going to have an amazing launch around here where everything we do, completely free from COVID, connecting in seasons of life for around marriage, around family, around even the study of God's word. Just find places that you like to hang out and be with each other and build those deeper friendships. And if a church can be, as we say, a diverse community of friends advancing the cause of Christ, I mean, watch out. This world's going to notice. I always, I think, I look out here every Sunday and I see potential. I see so much potential of people who can be like-minded, who can let go of the burdens of religion and just run after the, the, the cause of Christ as hard as you can. I don't think you could spend your life on anything better yeah. than advancing the cause of Christ right here in our community. As friends. As friends. Yeah. And it'll be fun. Absolutely. And that, that's, the, that's the best part for me is like, it's a blast. I, I just, um, you know, I got back from Mexico with a, a, a group of people. We worked together and we're friends together. And when we showed up here to go down to Mexico, it's like we're immediately connected. We go down there, have a good time, and then do some meaning, meaningful things that will, I think, over time help a lot of people. And there's nothing better in life, for sure. I'm excited. I'm on board for that. Oh, we love that song because it talks about this friendship, these neighbors getting together and really loving each other and experiencing the love of God, but also with the mission to fling wide open the kingdom of heaven for others to come, for others to enjoy this friendship with God, for others to enjoy this friendship with each other. It's a very unusual thing for people to think of this in the context of church, particularly if you were maybe raised in a more traditional church environment. You kind of come because it's a duty. You come because God expects it. You come because maybe if you go to church or say a prayer or whatever, that God's going to be happy with you. And maybe he'll answer a prayer of yours every once in a while because you did good things. And that doesn't create a culture that's light. It creates a culture that's heavy because we see God as judge and we have to perform for him. We see Jesus as judge and we have to perform for him. That's sort of the, the slavery and the burden of religion that Jesus really came to free us from. So this whole notion of a light environment, a celebratory environment of friends who can be honest with each other. And, and as Ryan and, uh, and, and Alex said earlier, to share life with each other, the good, bad, the ugly, and to be together and experience what it's like to be loved by God, to be loved by Jesus. That's what Jesus reimagined. Now get this. Jesus reimagined a new community where everyone is welcome, where God is Father and Jesus is friend. Get that. This is a total reimagining of what it's like to be a community of faith, where everyone is welcome. That is not typical in the religious world. It definitely wasn't typical 2,000 years ago during the time of Jesus. During the time of Jesus, there were 11 different sects of Judaism and each thought they were right and each excluded the other. And you certainly couldn't invite anybody who wasn't Jewish. The doors of heaven weren't swung wide open. They were very tight, very closed, very shut. It's also very unusual to view God as father and Jesus as friend. God is almost always thought of as judge, that he's looking down on us and he's disappointed with us. And if we misbehave, he's probably going to punish us or he's not going to answer a prayer. Same thing with Jesus. Jesus is perceived sometimes as this risen judge who is, is eager to condemn, not eager to love. But Jesus changed, changed the whole paradigm. He says, listen, world, we're inviting a community of friends here who are viewing God as father for us, not against us, and viewing Jesus as friend. And all of this started on a fishing trip. 
right? It's Dad's Day, Father's Day. So uh, any dads like fishing? Fishing, fishing, fishing. Women like fishing? I met one woman who likes fishing. One woman? Yeah, all right, very good. Excellent. Uh, I hate fishing, so this is going to be something that's going to be a little tough for me. I don't have the patience. But this whole movement started with a fishing trip. This is all found in Luke chapter 5. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed on him to listen to the word of God. So Jesus is this roaming preacher. He's a peasant preacher wandering from township to township in northern Israel, preaching a message, very simple message. The kingdom of heaven is this close. The kingdom of heaven is this close. Now, the way they perceived it, the people at the time who were oppressed, they were invaded by Rome, they were near slaves, they were trapped in poverty, they were struggling to feed their families, they had no power, they were disrespected. So when this peasant preacher comes along their towns and says, the kingdom of heaven is this close, and by the way, he's proving he, who, he was, was, who he was by performing a bunch of miracles, they paid attention and thousands followed him. So he goes to this town by the Sea of Galilee, goes on in verse two. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, this is Peter now. Uh, so if you know your, your church history a little bit, this is Simon Peter. Jesus asked his owner to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. Now get the context here. Peter and a bunch of his buddies are uh, fishermen. They are done for the day. They've been fishing uh, all through the night. They haven't caught a single thing. They are tired. They're exhausted. They're discouraged. They had cleaned their boats. They cleaned their nets. They are done. And they're going to go home, probably take a massive nap, and they're going to be very upset because they did not take in any fish. No fish, no money, no money. They can't feed their families. This is a tough day. Now here comes Jesus, goes to this very discouraged, very tired Peter and says, hey, I want to use your boat. Now, how is that going to go over, <laughs> you know, in the heart of Peter? But Peter apparently is a nice guy. He says, all right, Jesus, I'll take you out in the boat. The reason why Jesus wanted to go in the boat is because water tra or sound travels over water perfectly. If you have been on a lake, you can hear somebody whispering from half a mile on the lake because the sound waves travel perfectly. Thousands of people, no PA system. This crew wasn't there. And so he gets out on a boat to speak. It's basically a natural PA system. And so Jesus preaches. Now he's a pastor, so he probably preached a very long time, right? So Peter's out there with a boat. Jesus is preaching, probably dozing off. I'm reading between the lines. And then Jesus says something. Jesus says this, go out where it's deeper, Peter. We're not done. Let's keep going. I know you're exhausted. I know you're discouraged. You just listened to a very long sermon, probably a pretty good one, but we're not done. We're going to go to deep water and we're going to fish. Now it is late in the day. For those of you who fish, you don't fish late in the day. There's wind, there's waves, fish aren't biting. It's just not going to happen. Master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night, didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, we'll do it again. You can almost hear the exasperation, not just because it's not the time to fish, but because Jesus is a carpenter. Jesus is a carpenter telling a fisherman how to fish. That is not going over well at all. And so it's sort of like somebody telling me how to preach. It happens on occasion. It's like, all right, hey, fantastic. You got next Sunday. You good? <laughs> and I'll be sitting right there. I'm going to send you that email. Anyway, just a little venting. Um, a carpenter tells a fisherman how to fish at the wrong time of day. So Peter's just rolling his eyes. All right, we'll do this. And you probably know the rest of the story, right? 
It's an incredible reality. At this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. Now, best estimates, uh, we kind of know what the uh, size of the netting was 2,000 years ago in the Sea of Galilee. If that net is full of fish, it is three months worth of income, three months. So imagine you just get a bonus check tomorrow morning, three months of income, you are stoked. So Peter goes from very discouraged and very upset and very probably annoyed with this traveling preacher coming through his city, taking his boat, taking him out to the deep part of the lake at the wrong time. And they bring up all this fish, three months worth of income. Now he is stoked, but then he realizes something. I've got all this fish, I've got all this money, but only God can do this miracle. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, leave me, leave me. I am too much of a sinner to be around you. Now, if you know your, your gospels, you know that Peter had a lot of problems. He had a lot of great qualities, very courageous, man's man, you know, good Father's Day kind of figure. But he had a lot of problems. He had a little bit of a temper. He was prone to some violence. He probably had a list of his own failures in his head a mile long. How he treated his wife, maybe. How he treated his kids, maybe. Just who he was in the community when he lost his temper, when he didn't obey God the way he knew he was supposed to. And so here he is in a boat with who he now knows as the son of God, the savior, the fullness of deity in this person, Jesus, who just performed this incredible miracle that can only be attributed to God himself. And he falls to his knees in shame. He knows his faults. He knows his flaws. He knows his failures. And he's standing before the Lord. He says, leave me. Jesus probably said, I'm in a boat. <laughs> and I'm not walking on the water just yet. That'll be later. And Jesus invites him to a relationship, just as he is, right where he is. Verse 10 and 11, Jesus replied to Simon, along with James and John, part of the team, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. There's a lot here in those two verses, and I'm just, I, I love reading between the lines, and I try to be clear when I'm reading between the lines. But to go from Peter on his knees in shame, saying, Jesus, leave me, to two sentences later, Peter's leaving everything, and turn, including this massive haul of fish and all the good stuff that came from that, left it all to follow Jesus. What happened in those two verses? In those two verses, Jesus invited Peter and the other two to a relationship, a deep and profound relationship, not based on Peter's performance, not based on Peter's religion, not based on Peter's mistakes of the past. He knew those mistakes and Jesus says, I'm with you, let's do this. Jesus said, you don't have to prove anything to me. You don't have to tighten up your life to follow me. You don't have to be a good religious person to follow me. You can be a normal guy with a normal temper and normal mistakes and normal regrets and follow me with confidence. Jesus said in between these lines here, you're just fine as you are, follow me and let's walk this incredible adventure together. But so, much, uh, uh, so many of us understand what it's like at the thought of God's holiness and the thought of God's power and the thought of God's perfection, when we look at our own life and our own failures and all the things we do that we shouldn't do and all the things we don't do that we should do, if I got that right, we don't think we deserve to be close with God. In some part, probably because 
we were raised in some kind of church environment that said God is perfect, God is holy, God is full of majesty, and God is full of power, and he created all things with a word, and he's so transcendent, he's so above us, and look at you, you're a sinner. In most religious environments, including the one I was kind of raised up with, is you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, do better, you're a sinner, do better, you're a sinner, stop sinning. And that's basically the total of my early Christian experience. A lot of it was great. A lot of it was fantastic. A lot of people who really loved me for sure. But the message was clear. I am this lowly, wretched sinner in the face of this holy, perfect God. And so my thought in my young faith was God is judge and I am being judged. And that was my entire walk with God. Do better, do better, do better. That's exactly what Peter was experiencing. And Jesus says, you're fine. Just as you are where you are, you're fine. Follow me. Jesus reimagined this whole thing. He reimagined community. He reimagined what it's like to follow God. He reimagined this possibility that a normal dude with all the false flaws and failures can actually follow Jesus and enjoy it. And that as he followed Jesus, he would make a whole series of mistakes. I mean, poor Peter. He is this amazing you know, rock of faith, and yet he makes some mistakes along the way, and he's more known for his mistakes. I don't like talking about his mistakes a lot because, you know, I think he gets trashed on a lot. Here's a guy who had the courage with all of his mistakes to follow Jesus and the courage to keep making those mistakes and still follow Jesus. And what gave him the capacity to do that? He knew Jesus wasn't his judge. He knew Jesus was his friend. That makes all the difference in the world because you can fail alongside of a friend and a friend might say, hey, man, I love you. You shouldn't do that again. Or you need to make some apologies and you need to make this right. Not from a judge who's condemning, but from a friend who's helping. Makes all the difference in the world. So here's Jesus, right? Jesus reimagined a new community of friends. And as, as Alex and I talked, this is what church ought to be, a new community of friends. Not just a group of people who are here with fingers being pointed down at you from a stage. God is holy. God is holy. And the pastor pretending he's holy and telling you all what to do right? That's not friendship. That's not a new community. That's an old community of slavish religion. There's a new community available of friendship. John 15, 15, the, the verse that really created the first part of our mission statement that we're a diverse community of friends. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I have called you friends. That's amazing. Jesus also reimagined a new community of love, a new community of love, now, this is Father's Day, and so I'm focusing a little bit more on the guys. And Jesus called initially 12 men to himself, who then created a whole movement of men and women just in all nations. But he started with 12 men, so I'm focusing a little bit on them today. These 12 guys, Jesus gave them one job, love each other. And, and guys, we don't talk about the word love a lot. Um, I hang out with a bunch of guys. I can't remember telling guys, hey, you know, I love you, other than you know, love you, bro, or something like that but we don't use the word love a lot with a group of guys. That's why Jesus didn't use the word eros to talk about the love that the guys would have for each other. That's more the emotional love. He talked about agapeo. The word agapeo means deeply committed to each other. So guys, when you think about love and you think about a community of friends and how we are to love one another, don't worry about the, the feeling kind of sappy stuff. That's fine. That has a place for sure. But when you've got a group of guys, and broadly speaking, a church of men and women who are called to love each other, it's that agapeo love. It is that unconditional committed love. I am here for you. 
When it hits the fan in your life, I am here for you. When you are considering making a big mistake, I'm here for you. When you make a big mistake, I'm not going to reject you. I'm here for you, right? You're struggling. I'm going to be your strength. You're shaky in life. You know, I'm going to be that foundation under your feet. It's that kind of commitment that says, as, as Jesus loves me as a friend who never leaves, I'm going to love you as a friend who never leaves. That's this new community of friendship and this new community of love. And we're trying to create that here as we sort of you know, emerge from COVID and people are slowly starting to come back live and there's still wonderful people, wonderful friends of mine who haven't been here yet. <laughs> You're still online. Get over here when you can. We're trying to create these connected environments, right? Not just here in church, but outside, and, and we'll have more things for kids to play in and more food as we kind of go over the summer. Our fall launch is gonna be a lot of just environments to connect because so many people do not have this kind of friendship, enjoying the love and grace of God through Jesus Christ. Thursday nights around here, connecting as friends who are recovering together, recovering from abuse, recovering from uh, substances, recovering from grief, so many people getting together just to be there for each other. This men's group on Monday, Monday night, tomorrow night, Top Spin Old Town. Come, guys, have a good time. Play some ping pong. Sit around, discuss life. It's a fantastic time. There's uh, women's things happening all summer as well. I think they're on Tuesdays. I don't know the details. Rancho.tv, check it out. There's so many ways to connect around here. Our fall launch, I'm just telling you right now, our fall launch is going to be awesome. We're putting things together where people of kind of the, the same season of life are going to be able to get together, get help in their life on, on parenting and, and marriage and careers, and they're going to get together and build some friendships. And over time, maybe we invite each other to dinner and we build that Christ-centered connection with each other, a new community of friends, a new community of love, and finally, a new community with a cause, a new community with a cause. Listen to what Jesus says in John 15, 15. I no longer call you servants. Instead, I've called you friends. But here's the cause. Everything I learned from my father, I made known to you. Here's how the kingdom of heaven sort of works. God the Father has a vision for this world. We see that vision throughout the scripture. God wants this world made brand new, where we are not hurting each other, where we're not at war with each other, we're not protecting ourselves and then considering you an enemy, where we are not divided by race, where we are not divided by religion, where we are not divided by politics. God the Father envisions a world that is united as brothers and sisters. And so he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to live it out, to teach it, to preach it, to be an example for all of us of what it's like to bring a diverse group together. Because even though these 12 men were all men and they were all Semites, they were a diverse group that was supposed to hate each other. There was a zealot and a publican, two di different political parties. The zealot wanted to kill the publicans because the publicans worked for the Romans, the enemy. Judas Iscariot, I mean, he became the betrayer, but that Iscariot, Judas Iscariot, meant he came from the line of assassins. And who did he assassin? Other Jews who aligned with Rome. So if you follow that history, Judas Iscariot, his life goal would have been to assa assassinate Matthew. These are the people Jesus brought together. Uh, two of the disciples, uh, Peter and John, clearly didn't like each other. You read the Gospel of John, and John says, I'm the disciple Jesus loved, and everything he says about Peter is a disaster. <laughs> but he's like, I wrote the book, so deal with it, right? 
the disciples are arguing who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. They're fighting always about who's going to be greatest among them. They weren't this pristine group of people. They had problems. I mean, they had real, real problems. And yet over time, Jesus was patient and Jesus was kind and Jesus corrected in love when he had to. He was trying to make them stronger people, stronger men, a stronger community. And I'm telling you, if you look at the end of the ministry of the disciples, you might say Jesus failed because when it got tough and Jesus was arrested, they scattered. I mean, they scattered. Peter went back to his fishing village. They were just, they were done being a community. Even in that failure, Jesus brings them back together after the resurrection and says, no, I'm kind of serious. And here I am raised from the dead. I'm kind of serious. I want you to build a new community, not just of you 12, but of thousands and thousands. Over time, millions and millions. Right now, billions upon billions of people following Jesus. It's not all perfect right now. There's a lot of problems going on. But what we can do as, as one church in the vast kind of ocean of humanity, as one church, we can say, you know what? This church isn't gonna be divided by politics like the world is. Everybody's welcome. The doors are wide open. This church is not gonna be divided by race. Doors are wide open. This is gonna be a diverse community of friends. It's not easy, but we're gonna do it. This church is not gonna be divided over religion where we're judging each other's every little move and every little phrase and every little doctrinal thing and looking for reasons to divide and looking for reasons to get angry. This is not gonna be that kind of church. This is gonna be the kind of church that does the hard work of diversity, the hard work of wide open doors, the hard work of saying everybody is welcome, the hard work of being a part of a, a family of faith where we don't agree on everything. We've got about 11 pastors or so. We meet every uh, Wednesday morning and uh, two Wednesdays ago, we had this great conversation. I don't think we agreed on anything for an hour and a half. We were talking about, and it was all laughing and all fun. Well, this is my upbringing. This is my take. Oh, that, uh, this is my upbringing. I think something totally different. So here we have our pastors are a diverse community of people following Jesus and mission together as friends. I got a chance to spend a couple days in Mexico with a bunch of these people just exploring, you know, what it would be like for this diverse community to build partnerships uh, with those who are helping the refugees escaping El Salvador and, and, and Honduras and, and Guatemala and to help these people who have traveled 2,000 miles. What would it be like for this diverse community of friends to do something good there as we're now re-engaging the world after the world's been shut down for over a year? This is a diverse community of friends doing good together. So when we say live free, do good, it is living free in the good news that God is not judge, he's father, that Jesus is not judge, he's friend. And we can be sons and daughters of God and we can be friends with Jesus and friends with each other. And we can make something very spectacular happen in this world together. 